Good afternoon, friends. My name's Jesse. I'm from North Carolina. Just passing through town on this beautiful day, and I'd like to stand here and just follow up with what's already been declared to you today. My brother John here has very clearly communicated absolute truth here today. You see, in a day where we think that truth is relative and it's dependent upon belief, dependent upon feeling and experience, the Word of God declares truth to be, to transcend these things. There is absolute truth. And for you to say that that's absolutely impossible is to prove my point. Truth is absolute. And absolute truth is that there is a Creator God who created the heavens and the earth. There is a Creator God who gives you breath and life. There is a great Creator God who causes the rain and the fruitful seasons to be upon the just and the unjust. And there is a Creator God who's holy, righteous, and will judge every thought, every action, every intent of your heart in the day of judgment. And my friends, this Creator God, His standard of righteousness far exceeds what religion can offer you. It far exceeds your own self-righteous arrogance that so characterizes this putrid American society of today. Friends, we stand here in a spot that's key to Texas and American history where blood was spilled where men fought and gave their lives for independence and freedom in 1836. Men who, if they saw the society that has evolved on the grounds where they shed blood, if they saw that we have become a nation that murders the unborn and glorifies sodomy and glorifies the denial of God, they would weep and gnash their teeth. You see, many of our fathers who feared God and they strove to give us a nation of freedom because they understood that when there is freedom, the gospel message can best thrive. When man can hear from God in the conscience and not be deceived by the dictates of hypocrites and religion. George Washington, our first president, is on record saying that you cannot rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. And yet our arrogant society today thinks without God and the Bible is the only way to govern the world. It's backwards. Like in the days of old when the prophet prophesied against the people of Israel, truth is fallen in the streets. Wickedness abounds. Men call evil what God calls good. Men say what good is what God calls evil. And when that defines a society, then that society has become blind and reprobate. The same Israel that called evil good and good evil. They had eyes, but they couldn't see. Ears, but they could not hear. And God allowed them to continue in that blindness and sent them a spirit of delusion, a spiritual fog to where they couldn't even think rationally. 
And my friends, I'm afraid that that same spiritual delusion of God, that confusion of face whereby He judges nations that once knew Him and then turned their backs upon Him, has fallen upon this society. The American people don't have the capacity to critically evaluate simple, obvious truth. The fact that there's a God in heaven, friends, is simple. Self-evident truth. And yet you may not deny that with your mouth, but you deny it by the way you live. So distracted and caught up with the information and technology and obsessed with the things of this world, caring nothing for the things of God. You may be in church on Sunday morning, but you live as if there is no God. And you're guilty of the greatest crime. Wickedness beyond imagination to deny one's Maker. In your self-righteousness, you spout about loving your brother, but you don't love the God who made you. Jesus Christ summed up the law of God in two commandments. The greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like unto it to love your neighbor as yourself. We spout about loving our neighbor with the mouth, but God forbid you'd ever get down on your knees and get dirty to actually help someone. The American people talk a big talk, but you can't even understand what it is to love your neighbor unless you love the God who made your neighbor first. Worldly love is vanity. All is vanity, vexation of spirit. But God's law is summed up in those two commands. And the fact of the matter is we have transgressed God's law. A sinner is a transgressor of God's law. All have sinned and come short of His glory and we all deserve His judgment. And my friends, God, when it comes to judging wicked nations, is like a furious storm that breaks the rock in pieces. Now your concept of God may be some sort of a sky fairy exists to make your dreams come true. And you may believe that that's the God of the Bible, but it is not. The testimony of the Holy Scriptures is that God is a jealous God. He will not share His glory with another. He will not share His glory with an idol. He will not share His glory with a man. He will not share His glory with a religion or a pope or a priest. He's a jealous God. And when it comes to this jealous God who holds all power and authority in this life, you don't come to Him on your terms, my friend. You don't come to God on your terms. Religion is man trying to come to God on his terms. How arrogant is that? You come to God on his terms. And what are his terms? His terms are righteousness and holiness. Iniquity does not dwell with the Lord. His eyes cannot behold sin. Sin cannot dwell in His presence. To be right with God, you must be righteous. But yet the testimony of Scripture, the testimony of this life, is that there's none righteous, no, not one. What can we do? The God of creation is a storm, a, a furious storm, more powerful and more, more furious than a Category 5 hurricane. 
a furious storm that rages against the sin of this world and the unrighteousness and the injustice. The testimony of the prophet in the Old Testament, the testimony of the prophet who declared God's Word publicly says this about the Lord, the Creator. God is jealous and He takes revenge. The Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. Friends, that's the God of the Bible. The Lord will take vengeance on His adversaries. And He reserves wrath for His enemies. That's the God of creation. You say, well, I don't want to worship a God like that. He's still God. Whether you want to worship Him or not, He still takes vengeance on His adversaries. The Lord is slow to anger. You see, God's wrath is not emotional. It's not in your face. It's not knee-jerk like man-made wrath. He's slow to anger. Great in power, but will not acquit the lit wicked. The wicked are not off the hook, friend. You're not off the hook. The Lord has His way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of His feet. Friends, the weather of the world is but the dust of God's feet. And yet He uses the weather of the world to try to get our attention and we've got our fingers in our ears. He rebukes the sea and makes it high, just like He did for the children of Israel that crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Not a fairy tale. History. He dries up all the... What's that? My freedom don't come from you, friend. It comes from God. What, do you think I'm supposed to bow down to you because you went and got a job in the military? Come on, man. People today don't fight for freedom. You mock the God who gives you freedom. Shame on military that think they're somehow special because they claim to fight for freedom. Friends, our founding fathers said freedom was a gift from God. It's not a gift from the American military. The wicked American military that won't let its soldiers read Bibles. That prosecutes men who are doing their job and puts them in prison because they're doing exactly what they need to do to protect this country. I'm supposed to stand here and feel some kind of fuzzy feeling about that? Freedom comes from God. And this wicked society has forgotten that. And our founding fathers warned us of that day. James Madison, the fourth president of our United States, he was the actual author of the rough draft of the Constitution, said that our national security was not found in military might. It's not found in military power. That our security as a nation was dependent upon our ability to acknowledge God and acknowledge His commandments. That's where security comes from. And true freedom... There's no freedom in this country, my friends. Are you kidding me? The American society is so blind that we think we're free. You can't build a shed in your backyard without a permit. There are days when a man can stand right here in this spot and speak words and a police officer tells him he can say certain words but he can't say other words. That's freedom? 
You see, we're so blind spiritually that we see our bondage as freedom and we see true freedom as bondage. That's a mark of a nation ripe for God's judgment. Ripe for the judgment of the one who has his way in the whirlwind. Of the one for which the clouds are the dust of his feet. The Bible says the mountains quake at him. The hills melt and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all them that dwell therein. Yes, mankind, wicked mankind, burns at the presence of God and will burn as a testimony before the Lamb and the angels and the saints for all eternity in a lake of fire, hellfire and brimstone. Who can stand before His indignation? Friends, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is obvious. The answer is no one. Who can abide the fierceness of God's anger? No one. His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by Him. My friends, that's the God of the Bible. He's a furious storm that judges sin, that judges nations, particularly those that knew Him and turned their back upon Him. In fact, the idolatrous nations that never knew God will stand up in the day of judgment and condemn this country. Because if the things that had been preached there had been preached in their mountains and in their jungles and in their villages, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But friends, I'm not a prophet of doom. I'm not a preacher of judgment per se. I'm a prophet of love. God is a storm. And you better fear Him. And the day of judgment better concern you because it'll sweep you away and you won't even know what hit you. One moment you're breathing, the next moment you're gone. One moment you're running to and fro with all your technology and the next moment Christ returns and sets up a kingdom. That's sobering news. But with the sobering news, there is good news. There is hope. If there was no hope, I wouldn't waste my time here today. I'd go eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Make no mistake, the God of the Bible that I preach to you is a furious storm. But that same God is also a shelter from that storm. He is the storm and He is the shelter from the storm. Will you take shelter under the shadow of His wings? Will you see sin as He sees it? Acknowledge it, repent, and flee to Him for refuge. You see, this same prophet that says God is furious and will not acquit the wicked says in the very next verse that the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble and He knows them that trust in Him. No one can escape the wrath and indignation of God, but you can find shelter from it in Him. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knows those that trust in Him. 
So you can hate God for what He is. You could try to explain Him away or deny Him because you can't stand the thought of a holy, righteous God. Or you can humble yourself before Him and find shelter from the storm. Which will it be? What is the shelter from the storm of God's judgment? It's God Himself. You see, God hates sin. God in His righteousness must judge the sins of men. When Adam sinned against God, it brought death. God told them, in the day that you sin, you will die, and God keeps His Word. But right there in that garden, He prophesied to the serpent that one day the seed of the woman would crush His head. It's the very first Gospel preached in the first book of the Bible. Later, when God called out Abraham, and Abraham's integrity was questioned by the evil one, just like Job, and God allowed him to be tested with his son, was Abraham willing to love God more than his own son and offer his son up as a sacrifice? When he raised the knife, God intervened. And prior to that moment when his son asked him, Father, where is the sacrifice? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb. Again, that gospel. God himself would be the sacrifice. God himself would be the shelter from the storm. And when Jesus Christ of Nazareth was born 2,000 years ago in a little hamlet called Bethlehem to a poor man and the Virgin, and the Virgin Mary, born in a barn. God did exactly what He prophesied He would do in the Bible. He became human flesh. Christ Jesus walked this earth, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. His active and perfect obedience to the law of God made Him a perfect sacrifice. He was hated by His own, and His own believed Him not. He worked miracles. He opened the eyes of the blind. God bless you folks. He opened the ears of the deaf. He raised the dead to prove that He was God. He claimed to be God. Something that Buddha never did. <coughs> something that Muhammad never did. Muhammad claimed he sought God's forgiveness 70 times a day and could never find it. And yet we're supposed to think someone like that spoke for God or heard from God. The Arabic word Allah may, may be translated God in English, but my friends, the God of the Quran is not holy. The God of the Quran is not the God of the Bible. The God of Islam is distant and unknowable. If God is distant and unknowable, then we have no hope. God is transcendent above His creation, but He's imminent. And He loved us enough, He sent His Son Jesus to die. God became a man for you. Something Islam calls heresy. But the Bible testifies that God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners deserving of His judgment, He sent Christ Jesus to die for us. Christ Jesus was God in human flesh. And you must have spiritual eyes to see Spiritual ears to hear. God can give you that if you'll humble yourself. It's very simple. 
But my friends, Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God. If your finite mind can't understand it, that doesn't mean it's not true. Finite human science has been wrong so many times throughout the centuries and it continues to correct itself, it continues to see itself wrong, and yet we believe it's absolute and can be trusted. The photos that were sent back from the, the uh, space probe that recently passed by Pluto disproved everything that science had said about the age of that planet. And yet you think evolution's a proven fact? That's ignorance, friend. It's not unfortunate ignorance. It's willful ignorance. This they are willingly ignorant of. That by the Word of God the heavens are of old and the earth standing in the water and out of the water. That's willful ignorance. That's why the Bible says twice, not once, but twice, only a fool says in his heart there is no God. You see, the Bible, the Word of God, only has to say it once. But when it says it twice, you better wake up. You deny your Maker, you're a fool. Not according to me, according to God. And if you're happy in that foolishness, then my friend, you have been given over to a reprobate mind. I don't know what to tell you. Humble yourself. Cry out to God for mercy. He's a merciful God. That's all I know to tell you. But in Jesus Christ, God became man. Only a man could pay the price for man's crimes. But friend, only God could suffer the wrath of God in a moment of time and survive. That's why Jesus Christ can't be God or man. He must be God and man. And to deny that is the spirit of Antichrist. Friends, what man-made religion has in common, what man-made religion has in common that is, in, is that in some form or another, it denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Catholicism will tell you that Jesus is the Son of God. They may even say that Jesus is God, but they claim that the Pope stands in the place of God as the Vicar of Christ. They deny that Christ came in the flesh and paid once for all the price of salvation. It is the spirit of Antichrist. The Pope isn't the Vicar of Christ. He's the embodiment of Antichrist. The Mormon Jesus can't save you. He's a created being. The brother of Lucifer, a spirit child of Elohim and his spirit bride. He can't save you. Jehovah's Witness, Jesus can't save you. He's just a created being. An angel. A false god. Works can't save you. Buddha's a dead man. How could he save you? Buddha said, follow me and perhaps you can find peace. He never claimed to be God. In fact... He was approached one day and he was asked by one of the locals, Teacher, how can we get to the Creator? How can we know the Creator? And Buddha said that's impossible. If there's a Creator, we are separated from Him 
by a sea of ignorance, the sea of the unknown, a sea of suffering. If there is a Creator, the only way we could know Him is if He sent a boat to take us across the sea of suffering and the unknown. In those words, Buddha who lived 500 years before Christ spoke the truth. The only way we can know God is if He reveals Himself to us. If He reveals Himself to us. If He sends a boat to bring us to Himself. Friends, in the Word of God, Christ Jesus was that boat to bring us to God. Christ Jesus is that bridge between a sinful God, I mean a sinful man and a holy God, excuse me. The God of Islam is a sinful, wicked God. Amen. He's the devil. Amen. Wicked. Evil. And yet we're so blind we think it's a religion of peace. That's judgment from God right there. Yep, yep. Islam invading this country is judgment yep. from God on a wicked nation that yep. turned their backs on Him. Amen. God uses things to get the attention of a people that have forsaken Him. If a nation turns its back on God, God will use economy to get their attention. The weather of the world, disasters, storms, earthquakes. Yep. That doesn't work, He'll attack their economy. Yep. And if those things don't work, He'll send a nation in to invade them. And just like the Roman Empire of all, we're invaded today by people who hate us and want to destroy us. I can't be angry at them. Their sins are wicked. Because I know that's how God judges nations. And woe unto those that come in here to steal, kill, and maim, and destroy. Woe unto them. Their judgment is just and sure. But these things are here because God is judging us and we deserve it. Amen. We as a nation need to humble ourselves. Forget about elections yeah. and campaigns. They're just selections anyway. Right. Are you so naive to think that your vote actually means something nowadays? You don't even know if it's counted. What a joke. The Communist Party in this country has two names, Republican and Democrat. And if you think one of these clowns on TV is the answer for this country, then you really are blind. Clowns that use the name of Jesus to get votes. Clowns that use the name of Christ to get a vote. What Americans need to do is be a little less concerned with casting a vote and a little more ardent about falling on their knees in prayer and crying out to God for mercy just like the Ninevites of old. That wicked people to whom God sent the street preacher. Jonah didn't go into Nineveh preaching God, there's a God-shaped vacuum in your heart that only He can fill and He has a wonderful plan to your, for your life, blah, 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 blah. Jonah went into Nineveh and said, Yet forty days, and this wicked city shall be overthrown. Repent! Hell, fire, and brimstone. Amen. And it was the hell, fire, and brimstone preaching that woke the people up. Even the king and the people humbled themselves in sackcloth and ashes, even to the point of decking the animals in sackcloth and ashes. And they repented and said, Who knows? Perhaps God will be merciful. And He was merciful.
and he spared Nineveh. Now Jonah, the preacher, didn't like that. Jonah in his self-righteousness didn't like that. And God humbled him as well. That's what God does. But Nineveh, that wicked city, repented and the judgment was stayed. Now 150 years later, the city was destroyed in fulfillment of prophecy. The people that repented turned to God, but the successive generations forgot Him and went right back to their wicked ways. You see, God purposed Nineveh for judgment. And with Jonah, He didn't change His mind. He just changed His way. He delayed it. But the judgment came so much so <coughs> that Nineveh was erased in the sands of modern-day Iraq and you had scientists claiming that the Bible couldn't be trusted and using Nineveh as an example because it was supposedly this great city and there was no evidence of it. Well, the Bible was right all along because the archaeologists discovered Nineveh and its ruins in the sands outside of Mosul, Iraq not that long ago. And the Bible was true all along. But God did what He said He's going to do. God never changes His mind. He changes His way. God has apportioned this nation for judgment just like all the wicked nations world. There's only one nation to whom God promised a perpetual people, Amen. promised a perpetual survival, and that's the people of Israel. Amen. And a key to, to God's blessings is to recognize that. Yep. That's another topic. But God never promised this nation a perpetual existence. And by virtue of its sin alone, and by virtue of what God Himself says about the nations, this nation is appointed to destruction. And God won't change His mind. But if we'll humble ourselves as a people and cry out to Him, perhaps He'll change His way. Perhaps He will have mercy like He did with the people of Nineveh of old. But friends, we must humble ourselves and repent. Turn from our sins. The blood of the unborn in this nation cries out to God from the ground. The sodomy and the quote-unquote homosexual marriage. That's like calling a circle a square. You can call it that all day long, but a circle will always be a circle. A man and a man can't be married. I don't care what the law says. Amen. The law in medieval Europe said that the earth was flat and if you confessed otherwise you were a damnable heretic. It's funny how people that hate God when, and they hate the law generally when the law is on their side like it is with this filthy wicked Supreme Court decision they all of a sudden want to appeal the law. It's like blind men being led by a child who's piping on a flute. It's like the Pied Piper. You're walking right into a ditch and you can't even see it. Waves of the sea tossed to and fro. And you can't see it. America, you have eyes to see, you have eyes but can't see, ears but can't hear, knowledge but can't discern. Until when? Until there's a great forsaking and destruction in this land. But God's a merciful God. Humble yourself. You can't come to God apart from Christ Jesus. 
When the Bible says, for God so loved the world, that word so is so important, it tells us how He loved the world, not how much. And how He loved the world was He sent Jesus Christ. That's the channel of forgiveness. That's the channel of a relationship with God. You don't enter into that apart from that channel. Without Christ, there is no forgiveness. Without Christ, Jesus, there is no relationship with God. You may claim to believe in God. The devils believe in God and tremble. That means nothing. You may appeal to your church attendance. Hitler went to church. Didn't mean squat. Those wicked politicians that want your vote, they go to church, many of them. Obama claims to go to church. That's a joke. Friends, there are devils walking around this country in human skin. Many of them inhabit the halls of our government. Republican and Democrat, Republican, Republicrat, Democrat, it's all the same. Wake up. But there is a God. There is forgiveness. There is a means to be made right. Not the righteousness which is by the works of the law or by religion, but the righteousness of God which is by faith in Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus came, offered up His life in fulfillment of prophecy on a Roman cross. He shed His blood. He died and was buried in a rich man's tomb. Dead, gone. The tomb sealed with a great stone. But three days later, in fulfillment of prophecy, He got up from the grave. Not resuscitated, but resurrected. With a glorious body, He rose from the grave, proving that God accepted His sacrifice. Without the resurrection, friends, there is no forgiveness. There's no hope. But Christ is a living Savior. He appointed apostles to preach His name throughout the world. They did, and the generation thereafter did, and so forth and so on, to where I'm here declaring to you today, just a servant. Christ went back to heaven and sits at the right hand of God, expecting until His enemies become His footstool. And my friends, apart from Christ, you are an enemy of God, and He will put His boot in your throat. But... Humble yourself and you can rule and reign with Him. You can escape the judgment of sin. Jesus asked a question, how can you escape the damnation of hell? And the religious leaders couldn't answer Him. They had all the religion in the world. They couldn't answer Him. The answer is simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Because belief in the English language, never has been, never has meant some sort of mental intellectual assent. That's just simply not what the word believe means. If you've made it into that, then you've changed the English word, just like we've changed the English word marriage in our language. But it doesn't change the fact that marriage is between a man and a woman. You can say it all day long, but saying something doesn't change it. Belief is not an intellectual assent. Belief is trust. It's always meant that if you believe something, it actually affects the way you act. 
belief in Jesus Christ is evident because it's a trust and he that trusts in something acts accordingly so that the trust is evident is your trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ is it in his death burial and resurrection or is it in your church attendance is it in your liberal politics is it in your job and your career the things you think are so secure and they could be taken from you in a moment career is a 20th century invention anyway you know, we think we have freedom in this country and yet we're a nation of slaves, yep. enslaved to our jobs, enslaved to health insurance. Yep. You think you can't live without it. Never pausing to think that God created the human body. God can sustain it, but you wouldn't even think about asking Him before you go to these doctors who only exist to take your money and to test their drugs on you. Sorcerers, most of yep. them. Wicked. Wicked. But God is a God of grace and peace. Friends, in Jesus Christ, grace can be your standing with God, your position. Christ, God's riches at Christ's expense. Peace in Christ is your experience. You, there's no peace in this world. You may have a smile on your face. You may have money in your bank account, but you, you don't have peace. Because your peace is dependent upon elections and laws and cycles and court cases. But in Jesus Christ, peace can be your experience. True peace despite what's happening in the world. My peace is my experience in Christ regardless of who wins an election or what empty robes in a Supreme Court have to say or whether or not a Supreme Court justice is murdered like the one was here recently. In Jesus Christ, the standing is grace. The experience is peace. And the hope is mercy. That's something religion can offer you. In man-made religion, the gods of men exist to destroy you, to take from you, to crush you. And make no mistake, the God of the Bible will crush the wicked on the day of judgment. But there's an out. There's an escape. And in that escape, there's righteousness and peace and grace and mercy something that religion cannot give you we don't stand out here to get converts or to get you to come to our church my church is 1500 miles from here you couldn't go if you wanted to going to church doesn't make you right with God any more than going to McDonald's makes you a health nut doesn't work that way Besides, church is for the believer, not the unbeliever. If you're a Christian and you think inviting somebody to church makes you a bold witness, you're sorely mistaken. There's way too many unbelievers in the church. And therefore, the, the, the believers can't be edified. And the pastors tiptoe around. And they won't speak the truth because they want that check in the offering plate. 
They want everything to be happy. They're false teachers. If you go to a church where your pastor won't tell you the truth, where he won't boldly declare that Jesus Christ is the only way, then he's a deceiver and a liar, and you need to run as fast as you can. Thank you for listening today. The Bible gives this testimony. This is the record. God hath given unto us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. He that has the Son of God, Jesus, has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. Elsewhere it says, But the wrath of God abideth on him. That's the testimony. It's that simple. Jesus Christ, life. Outside of Him, wrath and damnation and just judgment for the sins of man. And don't forget, God judges the heart. God sees your lust as adultery of the heart. He sees your hatred and your neglect and your disdain for human life in your mind, even through something as simple as a bloody, violent video game. He sees that as murder of the heart. Jesus said man would give an account in the day of judgment for every idle word that he spoke. He said that God judges not just the actions, but the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God knows it all. And sin must be punished. If you keep the law of God in all parts, you're a nice individual, you go to church, you give money to the poor, but you tell a lie, you're guilty of breaking God's law. That's what a sinner is. One that transgresses the law of God. The law is not made for a righteous man. To use it lawfully is to use it to show you your sin and to drive you to Jesus Christ. And that's what the law does. That's why my brother holds this sign right here. Not doing these things on this sign is not going to make you right with God. But what this sign does is show you your sin. So quit making excuses. Quit trying to justify sin just because your friend is a homosexual. Stop worrying about having friends and why don't you start being a friend and tell them the truth. The law of God shows us our sin. And it ought to drive you to Jesus Christ where you can find freedom from that sin. Forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit to live out from under the bondage of sin. To be convicted in sin and to have victory in it. Friends, that's why He was called Jesus in the first place. The angel told Joseph that when his when his he was in, Mary his his fiance was to be delivered of the child they were to call his name Jesus for he would save his people from their sins. Friend, we live in these fleshly bodies. Only in the presence of God in the kingdom of Christ will we be freed from the presence of sin. But if you have no victory over sin in your life, you're not a follower of Christ because that's the fruit. 
If you follow the spirit of this age and you've claimed to be a Christian all these years and go to church and all of a sudden you change your opinion and think that it's okay for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman or it's okay for a woman to murder an unborn baby, then you don't know Christ. One of the fruits of a follower of the Lord is that his convictions, his beliefs, they may grow, they may be refined, but they don't change. The Word of God doesn't change. If you faint in the day of adversity, Christian, your strength is small. And if society turns against God and you go with the spirit of the age, you need to examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. America's not a Christian nation. It hasn't been for quite some time. Those that think so are deluded, denuded, fooled. Our money might say in God we trust, but show me one politician who trusts in God in our halls of government and I'll show you a purple dragon that I have chained up in my backyard. I'll show you some beachfront property here, in, here in, uh, over there in Arizona. Words on a coin mean nothing. We live in a country now where even local governments don't allow the name of Jesus to be spoken in a town hall meeting, at least not without some, uh, some uh, witch or some right, right. wicked atheist coming in there to spout off his garbage. Soon you're going to be in a country where your children can't go into a public room without having to worry about someone of the opposite sex being in there. Ridiculous. So wicked in this country, we think that biological gender is not dependent upon what's obvious with the eye, what's obvious by science, but, what, but dependent upon how we feel. You claim science out of one corner of your mouth to try to disown the Bible, but then you disown science when you want to justify your sin and your thoughts about your confused gender. The reason you're confused, friend, is because God is judging this nation. It's called confusion of face. And the way to be unconfused is to humble yourself. Cry out to God. Humble yourself. Seek Him. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Seek the Lord in a day when He might be found. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Because when you get old and your heart gets hard like most wicked white people in this country, my generation and older, it's too late. Because your heart is hard. But we serve a merciful God who can soften the hardest heart. Paul the Apostle, the greatest Christian missionary aside from Jesus the Christ of all time, hated Christians and persecuted them. A hard religious heart. But God softened it. God softened my heart, friend. I was lost in my sin. I was... self-righteous and prideful. If I didn't 
commit the sin with my hands. I committed it in my heart. I've transgressed all of God's commandments. I, but I went to church and thought I was alright for years. God softened my heart through the Word of God. I opened up a Bible, the Gospel of John. Kids, get you a Bible. The book of John, Jesus said you must be born again. And only with the mind of a little child can you see that spiritual truth. That's why He said, Suffer the little children to come unto Me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Except a man have the faith of a child, he'll never see the kingdom of God. You think because you went to some school, some institution of higher learning in this country, and got some degree or some reward that you know everything. Nowadays, friends, if you have a degree or you win an award in an academic institute, all that means is you knew how to kiss the butt of the liberal professor better than anyone else. All that means is you knew how to regurgitate better than anyone else. That's not an education. That's not critical thinking. And I speak as an educated man. You've lost the ability to think critically. You assume things about the Word of God and Jesus Christ not based upon reading it, but based upon what some reprobate has told you. And you accept it because that's what you want. You can't deal with Jesus Christ because you love your sin. And therein lies the problem. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'd say you need to humble yourself instead of mocking the preacher. That's what I'd say. Mock the preacher, that's fine. I'm a nobody. But God's not mocked, friends. The Bible says a man will sow just what he reaps. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap to that flesh. You sow mockery, God will mock you in the day of judgment. And when that righteous God judge cast you into a lake of fire, the saints of God will applaud His righteousness. You say, well, I don't like that. I don't want to serve a God like that. That's fine. He's still God. He's still cast into hell. And you better start thinking less about what God should and shouldn't be before you and what, as opposed to what you should be before Him. In our nation's civil war, a great chapter of history which, from which many lies have been written in your history books. Many lies. North good, south bad. Lies. Nobody ever talks about the great revival that swept through those camps and men in droves on both sides of the line came to Christ. Amen. And how war was a judgment from God on this nation. A judgment against both north and south to get its attention. And how many responded to that judgment and humility and were saved. You won't ever hear that. But as the civil war had raged on, the North and the South both thinking that God was on their side and both feeling justified and truly justified in many areas. But there was no victor. There was just blood. Rivers of blood. A young lady came to President Lincoln and said, Mr. President, this is documented history. Is God really on our side in this war? And the President's response was worth considering. Turn from your idolatry and your sexual perversion for just a minute and consider it. 
He said, ma'am, I'm not concerned about whether or not God is on our side in this conflict. What concerns me is whether or not we are on God's side. If he saw what our country had become today, he'd roll over in his grave. I don't claim that every founding father was a Bible-believing Christian. Many were. Many have bolder testimonies inscribed in the granite in our nation's capital than those claiming to be Christians today preaching behind a pulpit would even dare to say. Can you imagine most preachers in this wicked country saying you can't rightly judge the world without God and the Bible? They wouldn't say that. Most Christians are ashamed of them. They think you can be a Christian and not believe the Bible when the amazing thing is Christian's a Bible word. Amen. The word Christian is in the Bible. That's where it first appeared. And it was used as an insult against people that believed the Bible, that carried the Bible, and that preached the Bible. So don't tell me you're a Christian and the Bible's not the Word of God. You're no Christian. You're an anti-Christian. You can use the name all day long, but it means nothing. Just like two men can use the word married all day long, it means nothing. Wicked. You can use the word abortion to describe the murder of an unborn baby all day long, but in God's court it's murder. And God's court is righteous. And there is no commuting of the sentence apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But friends, that's a free gift. It's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. And that's why it's not religion. A free gift cannot be earned. It must be received. And to receive it, you must humble yourself. Humble yourself and repent. To repent is not to stop sinning. You can't stop sinning apart from the power of God. So you need the power of God first. Repent is to acknowledge your sin. That means to agree with what God says about it and stop making excuses for it. Stop trying to think it's okay or or claim it's okay when God says it's an abomination. A spirit of repentance agrees that homosexuality is abomination. It doesn't say it's okay because times have changed. That's not a spirit of repentance. God's been very patient with us. He's winked at our ignorance and idolatry, but He's commanding men everywhere to repent, acknowledge our sin, and then turn from it to Him. That's repentance. We must repent. But that's not enough. How are our sins paid for? Repent and believe. You must turn to God from your sin. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection as a covering for your sins. Repent and believe. Simple. A decision made in faith. Childhood faith. And that's what it is to be born again. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead 
and you can be saved. Salvation's not in religion or some pope or the Virgin Mary. Mary was a sinner like you and me. When she was told that she would give birth to Christ child, she said, I rejoice in God my Savior. If you're not a sinner, you can't have a Savior. What do you need to be saved from? All this garbage about Mary being perfect and Mary was conceived by a virgin herself. I mean, that's all garbage. It's all pagan religion from Babylon with some Christian names. You see, in Rome, they just took the statue of Jupiter and started calling it Peter. Wicked pagan religion. There is no salvation in the Pope. There's no salvation in the Catholic Church. There's no salvation in the cult of Mormonism, the cult of Jehovah's Witnesses. There's no salvation in Islam. There's no salvation in American churchianity. There's no salvation in the street, in the, in the TV preacher. There's no salvation in the street preacher either. There's salvation in the person and work of Christ alone. The Word of God alone. Upon Christ alone. By faith alone. Through grace alone. It's that simple. It's so simple that most people can't comprehend it. You need spiritual eyes. Humble yourself. Repent and call upon Christ and the scales will fall from your eyes. Hell over your face will come down. And you can be redeemed. Freed from the bondage of sin. Freed from the bondage of religion. You say, who is that crazy preacher? What religion is he? Friends, Jesus Christ freed me from the bondage of religion. And I'll stand here and preach a hard truth because I love you. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. I want to be your friend, not have you as my friend. Too many Christians today want to have friends. They don't want to be a friend. A friend tells the truth even if it means he'll be hated for it. I'd rather you hate me with the knowledge that I tried to save you. And friend, I can't save you. If you think we're out here to get converts, you're mistaken. We can't save you. We're just messengers, preachers. Not some special prophet or we don't think we're something special. We're just doing what God, Christ, Jesus told Christians to do. 2,000 years ago. That's all we're doing. You don't have to listen. God's not a beggar. He's a great king that rules all over the earth. I'm not going to beg with you. I'm not going to plead with you. God's not a beggar. But I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to call you to repentance. I'm going to call sin, sin. In righteousness, righteousness. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus Christ is the only way. There is no other way. He said, I am the way. Not a way. The way. The truth. The life. No man comes to God but through me. And then He rose from the dead to prove everything He said was true. If Jesus just died like every other prophet, and yeah, we could say, whatever, just a man spouting off things. Couldn't even prove it. But he proved it when he rose from the dead. His tomb is empty. 
And this same Jesus who was taken up from us will come again. The Bible says He will come with clouds, the Jewish Messiah, just like the Scriptures prophesied, and every eye will see Him. Even the nations that pierced Him. And doesn't say they'll rejoice. doesn't say they'll celebrate. It says they will wail and mourn because of Him. When He returns, friend, He returns with flaming fire, taking vengeance upon His adversaries. A storm! And where will you be when that flood comes crashing through? Where will you be when that storm arrives? Will you have shelter? The only shelter, paradoxically, is in the storm itself. He's the storm and the shelter of the storm. Flee to Him, friend! Quit putting your trust in politicians, in American education, and the brainwashing. Just because you go to a college doesn't make you better than somebody else. Anybody with enough money can go to a college and you don't even have to be smart to get a degree anymore. You can just kiss the professor's rear end and get an A. People just walking to and fro idle words, cursing, vanity, no thought whatsoever, blind. Blind sheep. Willfully loving it. And loving it. Why am I even wasting my time here? I'm not here to preach to you, friends. I'm here to give the glory to God. Really? Yeah, are you guys ready to meet your Creator? I'm not afraid of God. You should be. There's only one way to heaven, my friend. It's not religion. It's not the Pope. It's not the damnable Catholic Church. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Trust Him, man. Not because a preacher told you, because the Word of God tells you. It's a serious business, friends. Remember God in the days of your youth. Because if you run from Him now, when you get my age, there'll be no hope for you. You'll be so hard. Remember your Creator when you're young. That's what the Bible says, my friend. God bless you today. God bless you. Oh man, nice. Field trips. I remember field trips. A lot of fun. I did a lot of stupid things on field trips when I was a kid. God was merciful to me though. He can be merciful to you. Just stopping him in his tracks. Amen. God's word, my friend. Have a great day. Thank you, my friends, for listening. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you, be merciful and gracious unto you, and give you peace. And that peace is in Christ Jesus. Amen.